Hey folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John and Ellison IV. On today's episode, we're chatting with wrestler Mr. Grimm. Grimm has appeared on AEW and MLW. We chat about the business, differences between wrestling in Maryland and Tennessee, and other topics. Enjoy. So, how's it looking in Maryland? How's it looking in Maryland? Yeah. Um, I'm not in Maryland right at the moment. <laughs> oh shit, so where are you at now? New Jersey. Oh, sweet. So which which promotion are we working with? Well, I was actually doing like a, um, I was working with like this internet show um, called GTS, which is Grim Toy Show. So. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, cool. Then they're in the toys. Well, it see the thing is, it's like um, he does toys, but he does like mainly wrestling now. Wait, 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 wait. I think I heard of this guy. Pretty sure you have. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now I remember. Okay, it's starting to come back to me now because I think I saw him wrestle. I think I saw him make a cameo in Wrestle Regret one time. You said a cameo with who? I think I saw do um, Grimm's Toy Show. The guy who hosts that. Right? I think I saw him wrestle with Regret one time. Probably so. He does a lot of. I mean, he has a really big following. Yeah. Alright, so, alright, so, like, uh, so, so, who'd you train with? Well, I trained, um, I started off with a guy by the name of Blood, and, um, that was in Baltimore at this company called, um, EWA, and then, um, he cut back on training, so then there was this guy named Chris Burns, and, you know, I kind of got tired of like going over the same thing over and over and over again so then I ended up um, going switching to like another class um, which is ran by a guy named Matt Wild so that's um, you know really where I learned the majority of the stuff that I like in the, my earlier days from alright so what was he based out of? I'm based out of um, D.C. Oh, cool. So, what got you into the business? Well, I kind of got into the business by um, accident because I was playing football in college. And, um, like, I came back home, you know, for the break. And, like, my van had broke down. So, I went back to, like, doing security to try to get, like, another car so I could go back up to um, the school to play football. And... Like, um, one day I got hit up to do a security job. Somebody, um, you know, asked me if I wanted to do a security gig at a wrestling show, which was like an independent show. It was like RCW. And, you know, I'd never been to an independent show before, so I was like, all right, cool, you know, why not get paid to, I guess, watch people beat people up? <laughs> so um, I went there, you know, just so fascinated with everything because, you know, before then, I'd never been behind the scenes of a wrestling show. And, you know, I talked to um, a couple of people and asked them what I had to do in order to, you know, pursue a career in wrestling. And they told me, they was like, hey, you got to, you know, find a school, start training, and, you know, just kind of go from there. Hmm. So that's what I did. 
well, actually, I started um, doing, like, backyard wrestling for this company called CWA, which was Coastal Wrestling Alliance, and they ended up um, buying into a, um, the company that I trained at. So yeah. that's how I ended up getting in with EWA. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So there's, so even though it's like a backyard thing, it was more, it was actually training everything. Wasn't this basically, you know, us when we were kids basically doing stupid shit we saw on TV, right? Uh, no. So there was so. A lot of the people like really weren't trained, like oh, because shit. I wasn't trained and I was doing it. But it was like we were in a ring, so that's what made it, you know, a little, you know, di differentiated from everything else. Because you know, people that do backyard wrestling, a lot of times they're outside on playgrounds and stuff. I never did that. Yeah, me neither. I was that one weird guy that was like trying to like fast, I was trying to like slow. The slow down stuff and figure out break down and did the moves and shit. Kevin Dunn is a cop block because just when you put the figure out, they cut to a different angle. Hey, <laughs> right, so, so you I take it so you're doing security and that's when the bug bit you. Yeah, um, because like like I said, I was just so fascinated with everything that was going on. You know, like seeing people call their matches, taking the promo pictures in the back, doing um, promos. And then, you know, actually going out there and watching, you know, everything get put together, like, in the ring. And it was just like, damn, man, like, you know, I want to do this. That's so pretty I did what I had to do, man. Yeah. I actually dig that because, you know, I admit your story kind of took a bit of a turn because you say, well, I was playing college football. So, like, wait, I think I heard the story a few times. Here's a better outcome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it sucks because, like, I still miss playing football, and um, I always have, like, in the back of my head, you know, what if, like, I would have stuck to it. But, I mean, I look at it like this. It's the fact that, you know, when I was playing football, it's like, you know, I'm sitting up there getting hit almost every single play, like, you know, for 60 minutes or whenever I'm on the field, opposed to this where... It's like I had fans, and I can actually, you know, interact with the fans, and they're not just cheering for the team, they're cheering for me. Yeah. And, you know, not to sound selfish, but I kind of like, you know, the attention being on me. When Noah Jose had the conga line, were you one of those conga lines? Yeah, I was. I thought it was, but I wasn't sure, though. <laughs> yeah, I was, um... It was the one right after, I want to say, was it SummerSlam? But it was in Brooklyn, like, I think two two years ago. It was, like, for their pay-per-view. Like, I was there for, um, you know, NXT TakeOver, then the pay-per-view, and then, you know, um, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Sweet. All right. Yeah. I'm going to ask this question a lot. How the fuck did that come about? Honestly, like I um, like I had the um the um the email pretty much to send to like the talent relations people, hmm. and yeah, I emailed them one time, and then they got back to me and said, hey, look, um, by this date, like here are the dates that um you're approved for, like you need updated, you know, blood work. 
and I've been physical. Okay. And yeah, that was pretty much it. That's pretty dope, actually, you know, because I was. I remember seeing like a screenshot and I was like, is that, is that Mr. Grimm in there? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Alright, quick question, though, but this, I do get kind of curious about this. Alright, everybody had like. Like, sometimes when the Indies have a different gimmick, then when you go to. Then when you go to the majors, right? Um, like, for example, like with Dean. Like, for a second, John Moxley was Dean Ambrose when he was in. When he was in WWE. Sandman was hack in WCW it's like would you change it for like another gimmick or would you try to like or stick to your guns well this is how I feel about that um when you sign up or you know you sign a contract for hold on give me a second yeah when you sign up for a certain you already know what it is. Yeah. Like, you know, with WWE, once you sign your name on that contract, they technically, like, own you. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not sure how it is when pitching gimmicks, but if they want you to be, you know, a dancing clown that dresses like a flamingo, like, I guess that's what you got to do. And the worst so, part about it is I can probably see somebody thinking, that's a great-ass idea. I don't, know why yeah. Scotty, I don't know why Scotty Flamingo just popped in my head right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it kind of sucks because you'll have people who have, like, really good gimmicks on, like, the indies, and then they'll go to certain places and just not be what they were. Sound like, sound like WDF, WDF back in the 80s. Say that again? Sound like WDF back in the 80s. Like, think about, remember, like, okay, you had the Bushwhackers, right? But back in the day, there were sheep herders, right? And it is a total one fucking 80. Also, Coco Beware was not the same Coco Beware he was in Memphis. Totally different guy. You know, stuff like that. Hell, even Kamala was like, he scared the crap out of everybody in Memphis. You know, child and adult alike. Yeah. You know? So, I get that, though. So, dude. You know, I was kind of dug when it's like, I recognize them. Like, okay, those is one, okay, like Dark Order, right? It didn't dawn on me those are some of those guys were part of Super Smash Brothers. Because I was like, I didn't know it was a tag team. I thought it was like a video game. So I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't realize that. You know? But you're right. You, you say from the Dark Order? Yeah, Dark Order. That Okay, the guys were Super Smash Brothers, right? They're not part of Dark Order. Yeah, I had no idea because I kept on hearing the name, but I didn't realize it was a tag team, right? I thought it was like, I did not realize that game was so popular. Like, and it dawned <laughs> on me. Yeah. Okay, so, is this like your first transformation or have you ever tried other personas out? I actually started off with a football gimmick, like, mainly because, you know, when I started. Like, when I transitioned from wrestling, like, I was already, like, a football player. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hey, you know, maybe this would be a good idea to have a football game. Yep, not a good idea. I mean, it was it was good the fact that um, after I finally, you know, started being one with my gimmick and making it work, then it was like I changed everything. But it sucked, but I felt that, like, it was, I had to change it. 
they all go through evolutions. Like, you know, before he was John Cena, he was the prototype. Um, before his raving, he was Scotty Flamingo. Uh, shoot. Before he was Kevin Nash, before he was Diesel, he was Oz. You know, let's not start up on um, Sexton Hardcastle. Yeah. So, it goes through evolutions. You know, that's a part of the growth and everything. I mean, it happens, and it, like, you learn from, you know, the mistakes that you made. Or, you know, like, um, I wouldn't really say mistakes, but you learn from it. Oh, yeah. You find out, you know, it's kind of like crash and burn. Oh, yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just, you just got to do what you got to do, man. It's, it's, you got to evolve. And, like, even now, um, I'm at a point where I feel like it's time for me to, you know, start evolving again and figure out something else that'll, you know, get more eyes on me. So, like, since this COVID thing is going on, you know, it's a good time to actually work on that. I was just about to ask that. How does one navigate during, how does one navigate in wrestling during COVID-19? Like, how's that affect your bookings? At first, when everything starts shutting down, it, it, you know, it affected it drastically. And I lost a lot of money because of that. And um, even though I shouldn't have counted my chickens before they hatched, I didn't expect, you know, something like this to happen. But, um, you know, after everything kind of calmed down and things started opening up, like, I'm good. You know, like, I'm getting booked almost every week. Uh, Tennessee has been like a second home to me, and I, you know, I really appreciate Kapow, you know, giving me the work that they did, because I've been going down there, you know, every month, sometimes two times a month. Hmm. Well, Kapow, and, like, I just started working with Total Psychopathic Wrestling, hmm. so those two, you know, I was at Kapow last weekend. This weekend, I'll be back in Tennessee for Total Psychopathic Wrestling. Yeah, because I know you work in Tennessee a lot, actually. And because I keep on thinking, one thing in Tennessee, that's like one of the like, historic wrestling hotspots, you know, especially down south, like North Carolina, like, you know, throwing back to old territory stuff, right? So, what is Tennessee's wrestling scene looking like now? I'm not really sure what the Tennessee wrestling scene looks like, but. The places that I work, you know, it's like fans have been, it's been packed. Like almost every show that I've been to is like, you know, either sold out or at capacity, which, um, you know, the allowed capacity. Nice. What's it like in comparison to Maryland scene? Like, Well, you can bleed in Tennessee. You can do death matches in Tennessee. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's a thing here. And it also depends on, you know, what part of Tennessee you're in. Because the part of Tennessee that I work in, they, you know, like that indie style. But if you go to another part, they might like the old school style. So it just depends. Because you have, um... What is it called? Um... 
you got that new school, um, Pritchard. Yeah, you have Pritchard School down there. Oh, shit. Nice. And I'm pretty sure that he doesn't really teach the indie style. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like more of an old school style of wrestling. So if he does shows, it'll probably be more so old school. Yeah, I can kind of tell, like, from what I've heard about Tom Pritchard, it's like, they always say, oh, he's great, and yada, 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 but, yeah, I can kind of tell that, too. Like, I think he'll teach us to teach more in the old school kind of way. I can, just on a, just on a guess, I can see that happening. You know, but you're right, though. I forgot all about the fact that in Maryland, you can't, like, okay, those, like, that's the reason why I didn't have ECW in uh, Maryland, actually. Which, you would logically think Baltimore would have been a great place to have like an ECW show, but that's why they had it down in D.C. at Nation. This shows how far back this was, folks. Um, and, in fact, you know, there was this issue AEW because it was bleeding during the match, you know, and I I know the guy who's a whistleblower. You know? You said you know the guy who's a whistleblower? Yes, a guy by the name of Chris Cruz. But I did forget about that. Yeah. In Maryland, you can't bleed out here. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the thing with Maryland, like, and I'm pretty sure this happens everywhere, but for it to be so many, like, it's a few shows in Maryland. I want to say, like, maybe three or four. Like, shows that are ran in Maryland. And it seems like everybody's beefing with each other. And it is crazy because you would think, you know, people would try to work together, but it just seems like, you know, egos, man. Like, everybody wants to have an ego about certain things, and it just creates a toxic relationship when it comes to business. What was work at MLW like? I mean, it was, it was fun. Like... You know, it was a squash match. Yeah. Like, I literally, um, I came about that opportunity by, um, like, I was down there, like, just to help out, man. You know, whatever they needed help with, like, I was just there to help, you know, ring crew, like, transporting talent from the hotel to the venue, you know, like, picking up coffee, whatever, like, whatever they needed, I just you know, wanted to be there to help. Hmm. And I ended up taking Low-Key and Ricky Martinez, you know, to the venue. Really? Yeah. I took them to the venue in Selena. What was so, like? I mean, it was cool. Um, You know, Low-Key and I, we had a moment, man. We were talking about Biggie and like, talked about music, talked about all kinds of things, and it, it was, I mean, it was just cool, man. Like, because I've always heard, like, negative stories about him, but I didn't get any of that. Hmm. And then what ended up happening is, um, like, after I dropped them off and, you know, we finished putting the ring up and setting the chairs up and stuff, they were um, calling their match. And it was a guy who was supposed to be there that wasn't. Like, he ended up not showing up. Really? And his name was Chris McCaslin or something like that. Or, um, oh, hold on, who was it? Chris something. I forgot what his last name. Chris. 
Oh, Chris Pagan. Yeah, it was Chris Pagan. That's what it was. Chris Pagan. And I was, like, just sitting there, and then they started calling me. Like, and me, I'm just there, you know, helping out and stuff. I, I didn't expect anybody to be calling me, like, into the ring. So what ended up happening is I'm just minding my business, and then, you know, low-key started calling me. And he uh, was calling me by my shoot name. So people don't usually call me by my shoot name in the business. They call me Grump. Yeah. So he was calling me by my shoot name. I really didn't pay it any mind. So I'm just still minding my business. And he's calling me. And then, like, I started looking around. And he was like, yeah, you, come here. I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Like, this isn't awkward at all, like having Loki call me up to the ring while they're calling a match. So he asked, he was like, hey. He, he asked me, he was like, hey, man, you want to work? Like, um, be in a tag match with me and um Ricky? And I was like, do you even have to ask me that question? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was just crazy. Like, they literally asked me to be in that match. Really? And that's what I always try to tell people. You know, it's like, card is always subject to change. So, you know, sometimes just showing up, man, like, will get you your foot in the door. True. All right, one thing with low-key, actually, when I first saw the dude, how he looks, does not, his voice does not match how he looks. He was like, whoa. He's like really deep. Wait, he's like, which dude are you talking about? Uh, Loki. Oh, he has a really deep voice. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know. I didn't know Loki was a brother. I had no idea. Yeah, it's like when you talk to him, he's like, "Yeah, so what's up? What the? F what do you want?" Because <laughs> he went. He, he went into voice acting for a quick second. He's doing like voiceover stuff for a second. Was he? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he keeps it totally separate from his, like, wrestling life. Totally separate. He has a whole website for it, too. Yeah, I had, that's a fun fact for me. I had no clue. How'd you end up on AEW? Um, <laughs> right place at the right time, man. Shoot. That was awesome, though. Yeah. Look, and the funny story behind that is, when I um, went there, like, I didn't expect to have a match. Hmm. Like, I found out I had a match probably, like, an hour and a half after I got to the venue. You know, and I was just walking around and just chilling. And then I was like, oh, hey, here's the board. Here's the lineup. So I'm looking at it. I was like, oh, looks like a good lineup. So then I go down to AEW Dark. And I see my name, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Like, you're there just, to, like, thinking you're just helping out, and then you end up with a match after you haven't had a match in, like, months. Fun fact. With that whole situation... Like, I was literally hand-picked by Jericho for that. Really? 
Yep. Like, because I was out there in the crowd, you know, like, the, they usually have the indie guys or the wrestlers, like, the faces on one side, the heels on another. Smart move. I like that. And I was out there, you know, just in the crowd. Then, like, one of the, like, the people in the back, they came out there and they were yelling. They were, like, calling me. And I was like, yo, like, the starters, you know, when people with a headset on are calling you while you're out in the, the crowd, sometimes it's not a good thing. I can tell. <laughs> so I thought I was in trouble. And then, like, um, Chris Jericho came up to me like, yo, man, I've been looking for you. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what did I do? He was like, yo, how would you feel about being, you know, well, not, he didn't ask how did I feel. He was like, look, I need you, I need you to do this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, and it was kind of cool because, like, Chris Jericho, he's always been, like, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers. Yo. And, um, like, even back to his WCW days, and for him to, one, know, know my name, two, call me out, and, you know, put me in that position with a lot of, you know, heavy hitters. Like, it was a lot of greatness in that ring that night. Yo, is it true that you were actually, okay, you being Mr. Grin, the Hitman for Hire, is it true that you're actually getting requests in your Facebook page? What kind of requests? Um, since you were a Hitman for Hire. Oh, uh, you mean to put out a hit on people? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually true. That's kind of dope at the same time. Like, I've had um, a couple of people, like, trying to get me to put, like, to take out other people. And I've had a couple of people asking me to take them out. Wow. Yeah. How'd you get hooked on Money Mark Carlson? Well, initially he was a fan at a show. And it was funny because um, when I first met him, he was a fan. I was at um, Adrenaline Championship Wrestling at James Ellsworth promotion. Yeah. And he was there with his ex-wife. And uh, <laughs> she wanted to take a picture with me. So we did a picture like with both of our butts like back to back. And I told him, I was like, yo, you're going to take our picture. So, I'm literally, you know, taking pictures with his wife, and he's the one taking the picture. So then he had me on his podcast, and then he um he had talked about like having like his own promotion, hmm. and then <clears throat> I started working with um. Was it? Yeah. So he would just come to like different shows, and then like honestly, we like became cool. Huh. And now, like I would say, like he is my best friend in this business. Hmm. 
like, you know, minus like Nala Rose, you know, because she's like, um, you know, my best friend and my mentor. Yeah, she's from here, right? Yeah. But like, you know, Carlton, he's like always had my back, you know, looked out for me and stuff. And, you know, and it's like when he started, you know, trying to, um, like pursuing, like being the manager, like I told him, hey man, like I'll help you any way that I can. And, you know, I had him, like, travel with me to, like, certain shows. Like, we've been to, um, like, Tennessee. We've been to New York. We've been to Florida. You know, Pennsylvania. And, you know, even though he has a lot more, he has a lot of work, you know, to get to even where his potential actually is, but I, I really, like, I admire his dedication. Yeah, I mean, he started as a fan. Alright, so in the ring, biggest influences ring-wise? Um, I would say Brock Lesnar. Hmm. Like, um, Brock Lesnar, like, because he's a power guy. And, you know, when I first saw him, and he came in there with Spike Deadly and destroyed him, like, I was hooked ever since, and I was just like, dang, man. Like, you know, when I was a kid and he debuted, I was like, yeah, I want to be like, like that guy. But then, you know, as I started, um, you know, training to be a wrestler and learning about the business, you know, I kind of had to put my own touch on things. So, it's like, I'm still like a powerhouse, but now, you know, I'm an athletic guy as well, so... You know, like, with that touch of Brock Lesnar, man, that, like, kind of, you know, really, it really motivated me to, you know, be that powerhouse. All right, you mentioned the Deathmatch style earlier, you know, in the interview, but I was thinking, what are your thoughts on the Deathmatch style, you know, overall? You said, what are my thoughts on Deathmatches? Yeah. Um... I, you know, I really respect a lot of the guys that do it because to be able to put your body through that, you know, especially the ones who only do death matches, to be able to put your body through that, you know, every single show, like, you got to be one tough SOB. But um, I respect more, you know, the people who actually tell a story with their death matches. That too, you know. Um, like, what is, what is his name, the the monkey guy? What is it, June Josiah or something like that? Not sure. I'll look him up, though. I forgot what his name was. But him and Masada, like, they had a match, and, like, if you watched that match, man, it was beautiful. Like, they told a story. It wasn't just going out there, bell rings, and hitting each other with, um, you know, cinder blocks. Like, 
it was a build-up. And that's what, you know, what I really admired. Because, yeah, anybody can sit up there and do a death match and put their body to that, but not everybody tells a story with it and makes it make sense. All right. So what's some of the best advice you've gotten from from the vets? What are some of the best advice you've gotten from them? Um, some of the best advice that I got from, um, it was the Boogeyman, actually. Hmm. I did a show at um, MCW in Delaware, and he was there, and, you know, he told me, he was like, look, man, you know, you don't have to do all like a million things, you know, to get over or to make a career out of this. Like, look at me. I'm like, he was like, he's like 40, 50 something or whatever. Yeah, he's like in his 50s now. And he started late. And he was saying, you know, I just went out there and, you know, got my gimmick over. Like, he, And he also, you know, explained the importance of, you know, sometimes having a unique gimmick. Oh, yeah. Because he explained how you know, he didn't really do all of this stuff to, you know, destroy his body. And he made his money. And he was like, man, I made my money. You know, I got out of there. And it's like, I'm still, you know, you know, doing my thing. Like, people are literally bringing me here, like, are booking me to see me, like, smash a clock over my head and to eat worms and spit it on somebody. Yeah. Like, he was like, and I don't really do too many bumps. So, you know, when I was talking to him, it was it was just kind of cool that, like, the advice that he was given. And, you know, I, I, I'm really thankful for that because, like, don't get me wrong, even though, you know, if you watch a lot of my stuff, it looks like I'm always doing, you know, high-risk moves. Believe it or not, I actually don't. Like, ever since we've had that conversation, I've calmed down. And, you know, he was like, man, look, you got to make your big stuff mean something. True. You're going to do something big, man, you know, like, make it to where you get that reaction that you want and then not have, you know, the fans wanting it back to back to back to back to back. Agreed. So, like, I took that advice and, you know, I ran with it, man, and I incorporated it into, you know, my um my career. Good advice, you know, that makes sense, too, you know. Cause like I mean I'm not getting any I'm not getting any younger man like yeah. like yeah sure so I can see you know it makes sense to like okay weird maybe bad example because of due to circumstances right okay like uh -huh. okay Steve Austin right remember he wasn't always like a brawler type right he actually kind of changed his style up when Owen Hart dropped him on his head you know yeah. So that being said, everything, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, his style evolved basically due to changing his career and everything, right? So, you know, I understand that completely, you know? Shoot, I remember, like, um, but it's always, but yeah, I can see that happening. Well, I can see it happening, like, change the styles up and everything, you know, also adapt and evolve. That's a pretty good idea, you know? It makes, you know, Boogie made me a lot of sense, you know? Because I found some footage when he was in, when he was in OVW, actually. You know, and I just love how he basically had people eating out of, out of the palm of his hands. You know? Yeah. Alright. One yep. more. Alright, one more question, though. So, what do you think the future of the business is? 
as far as what? Just basically, generally speaking, like, okay, I see WWE experimenting with cinematic matches and everything. You know, also, they're doing the Thunderdome thing. Um, AEW slowly bringing fans back in. Apparently, GCW's doing the socially distanced shows. Like, what do you think the next trends would be? I feel as things start opening back up and, you know, more things are being um, allowed, I do feel that people are still going to have... They're going to be careful... But, I mean, like, wrestling is going to be wrestling, man. You always have people that will love wrestling. And as long as there's people watching, wrestling will exist. So, like, prime example, like when GCW did that um, that show in Texas, I believe, at the bar, and they made so much money, you know, and people tipping, like, for the wrestlers and stuff. Like, think about it. You had a show where no fans were, and they still made probably – more than what they would have if they did a regular show. You know what? I can see that happening. You know, I can see that happening a lot more, you know, especially like, all right, that reminds me a little bit too. Like, okay, weird parallel, but this reminds me a little bit of, you know, okay, when Ring of Honor New Japan had that, you know, super show at Mass Square Garden, right? The idea basically, and it sold it out actually, WWE hasn't done that in years, you know? So I'm seeing like this change of guard actually right where you know I'm glad to see something like somebody like a GCW show up and you know they kind of interact with the fans and everything and they want to see this like like you know their fans really want to see GCW succeed so even if they can't be there they still want to support that's fucking amazing you know and I'd love to see it that is, man. and I mean and it just goes to show that you know when you think outside the box like, you know, you can do anything, you know, you put your mind to, to be honest. Because I'm pretty sure back in the day, like, like, or before this happened, like, GCW, I mean, granted, they've, they've been good. But they wouldn't have had that many people tipping and stuff, you know, if it wasn't due to COVID. Correct. You know, completely correct, you know. Like, that's another thing as well. Like, I'm glad to see, like, you know. That's another thing as well. Like, I can see, you know, a combination of both, you know, where, you know, crowds attending will be as important as the ones, you know, that are not in the building, but they're checking it out, like, you know, somewhere else across the country or across the world. And it's like, yo, this is awesome. So I want to see, I want to see this um, succeed. So I'll just, you know, contribute any way I can, you know, so I can see that happening, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Grim. Great chatting with you. You know, I appreciate have... it, man. I yeah. really do. It's like an honor to chat with you. You know, it's like I'm proud of you. You know, gotta hit you up with some more. Gotta hit you up in a later episode because I got way more questions too, actually. You know, but you know, I try to like have at least like an hour, so to speak. But you know, I'm great. You know, I'm proud of you. I'm really, I'm, gl- I'm glad for your success. What can I say? You know. Yeah, look, especially considering the fact that you know we didn't really care for each other when we were younger and you was dating my aunt. Oh, God. I was, you know what, I'll put it this way, I was in a weird space at that time, actually. You know, and I was getting some other stuff going at home, so if I did or said any weird shit, basically, my bad. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'll just put it that way. I was in a weird space. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Not good times, bud. Not good times. Anyway. Yes, sir, but no, man, I really appreciate you, you know, having me on. No you problem. know, whenever, um, you know, whenever you want to have me on again, man, just hit me up. Of course. No problem. Peace. All right, man. Peace. See you. This episode is a bit shorter due to some tech issues, but I'd love to have Grimm on another episode in the future.